Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 89, the podcast where we're talking about photography, videography, and all the beautiful things that have anything to do with making photos, making videos, and all the rest of it. Now, it's episode 89, and that means only one thing. It's the first episode of 2022. Is that what the year is? That's what the year is, apparently. Is it really? So we're now officially <laughs> in the third year of Camera Shake Podcast. Uh... Yeah, because we started in 2019, then we went all the way through 2020. No, we didn't. We started in 2020, and then we went all the, all the way through 2021. There we go. And now it's 2020. <laughs> so see, I'm getting myself confused. Uh, yeah. So yeah, man, how was your New Year's Eve? Uh, I was gigging. Oh, were you? Okay. Yeah, so I was. It actually went ahead. Couldn't believe it. Um, the I was expecting it to be cancelled. It wasn't. Um, and it was amazingly sold out oh really okay yeah there so there's four of us in my band and there was probably it was a venue that was maybe 250 people there mm -hmm. um something like that give or take excluding bar staff how many people do you think were wearing masks five Four. <laughs> okay. Was, it, was four it you people? Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Were you gigging with masks on? Not while playing. Right, but okay. um, yeah. any other time moving around and whatnot. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's rife out there at the minute. Yeah. Well, it's, not that I'm, I have to say, I'm not overly, I'm not actually overly worried about it. I still right. don't want it. And mm. uh, I thought, well, you know. Yeah. Well, it was interesting because do you remember we, we, uh, we were like texting and I think it was just about <clears> roundabout. New Year's Eve or something like that. And basically, it was like, oh, you know, I've just heard from two friends uh, that it tested positive. And you were like, oh, I've heard from two friends. And like, literally, whilst we were testing, I had another message from another friend saying, you know, that it tested positive. Mm. It was just that one evening mm -hmm. and the following morning or something where like all of these messages were flooding in of people saying, oh, shoot, I'm yeah. positive, blah, blah. Yeah. So, you know, probably not surprising given where our numbers are. Yeah, they're kind of high, aren't at they? This, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's a miracle that we're allowed to be in the same room. But, I, uh, I think we're done with all of that. I, I, it's yeah. just going to get easier and easier now. Uh, and I've, to a, a good extent, I actually kind of agree with it. Um, you know, the issues that this is now causing, like health issues, mm. is greatly reduced on what it what it was when well, the numbers the, were significantly uh, lower. Apparently so, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see. But it's, frankly... Yeah. Do I believe the numbers and things that come in? No, yeah. but I didn't believe it before either. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I just find it, you know, I still find it mind boggling that, yeah. you know, this is episode 89 and we're still talking about this. Yeah, it's kind of mad. Do, isn't do you, it? Yeah. Do you remember when we first started, we said, like, you know, like, oh, when we get to episode 100, we've got to like throw a big party and invite all of our guests and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And now we're 11 episodes away from that and it's not really somehow. It, it not, may or may not happen. Well, well yeah, yeah it's, exactly. You know, it still seems yeah. somehow unlikely. Totally. So it's nuts. But, We've, anyway, we've had a really tumultuous. Um, Sorry, a what? Tumultuous, a tumultuous year. <laughs> I'm not even sure what that means. <laughs> I have no idea. Anyway, <laughs> it was a great year. I mean, 2021 um, has been really quite amazing as far as the podcast has been concerned. It has, yeah. It's so, been um, varied. It's Let's been put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, we've done a lot of lot of different things, and so today we're going to be talking about our top ten of our favorite episodes. Um, of 2021 and you may agree or disagree but um if you know it'd be really interesting if you could let us know what your favorite episode or episodes were um that we did in in 2021 that'd be 
really super interesting. So no matter where you are, whether you're listening um, over here in the UK or whether you're abroad over in the States or in Canada or in Germany or in France or in any of those crazy countries where people are listening to uh, to our podcast, you know, please, please, please send us a message and let us know um, what your favorite episode was and, you know, why you like listening to the Camera Shake podcast. So that's the one thing to send out there, you know, please get in touch. It'd be super awesome. You can uh, hit us up on Instagram, send us an email on cameraShakePodcast at gmail.com or, you know, Facebook and any of the other, any of the other ways. Tie a message to a pigeon and send it over if that's what you're into. I'm trying to work out how many episodes it's been since I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, God. so anyway, so, right. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to talk about our favorites, our top 10. And this is in no particular order, by the way. So we've just literally randomly uh, come up with um, a list of our favorite 10. And, um, and so we're just going to talk a little bit about each episode. We're going to show you some clips of that. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, in the description, uh, you'll find the links to those episodes. So if you're interested uh, to, you know, in diving a little bit deeper into any of the episodes that we're mentioning today, you can do that. Just uh, go down to the description, um, check out the link, and you know, and again, let us know what you think. Anyway, so indeed, um, let's start with with number one. Um, so I think the number one episode for me was the Coffee Fernway episode, which was episode seventy. Yeah, yeah. Is it really that long ago? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. God. <laughs> yeah. That's scary. Ah, the one. Yeah, that was ace. Every, every, from start to finish, that was just fun. Yeah, that was super fun because it was the first time. I mean, this was uh, in August, I believe. And um, and it was really when, you know, our, our COVID numbers were really low. We were pretty free to do whatever we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so it gave us the opportunity to to meet up with Dave Williams in Wales. Yeah, and so we took the uh, the podcast on the road, and we filmed this episode in the middle of nowhere, um, in or around the Welsh border regions. So we yeah. were literally in the middle of a forest uh, that you know, it took quite some driving to get there because it was all off road. Yeah, um, uh, and yeah, we spent yeah. the night there producing this uh, episode. Yeah, and um, let's not forget that we went camping. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we went camping, much to your um, excitement. It was <laughs> awful. <laughs> In every way, it was just terrible. Well, so th the funny thing was, uh, obviously, we were there to um, to film uh, Dave Williams' van at yes. Coffee Fernway. And, um, and so we had pitched a tent. Uh, and I actually slept really quite well. But I remember, you know, when we got up in the morning, you were like complaining about um, having had a really rough night and everything. And what we didn't realize when we pitched up the tent, but but it became very clear when we took this it down. This isn't even in the BTS. No, it isn't. That's right. Um, so when we took the, the tent down, it turned out that my half, where I was sleeping, was on like grass. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Plush. <laughs> Plush, yeah. Plush. Yeah, it's a, like a pillow. Yeah. You're sleeping on air is what that but, was like. But your half was... What was, was what? What was it? Rocks. Boulders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so that was hilarious. Um, this, by the way, if you um, if you are interested, uh, last week we did an episode huh. that was uh, really based around the behind the scenes. So we shot some behind the scenes footage um, of that episode. Um, so if you want to go and check out episode 88 as well, you can see what was going on behind the scenes. Um, and I highly recommend uh, that you check mm. it out on YouTube because... Um, you can actually, you know, see us 
trying to trying to make this work. So, you know, I think <laughs> if you want to see what goes into making one of these one of these episodes, uh, that gives you a really good example. But yeah, the camping thing was hilarious. That uh, was funny. Yeah. That was funny. That two of my my personal favorite moments in that mm. was waking up in the morning and telling you how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when we first met Dave, or when I first met Dave, because you'd seen the van and met Dave previously, because yeah. you were you did shoot shoot together, right? Yeah. Um, where I called his van a love machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were my two particular personal did, highlights. Did you have the music I, I chose for that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was very good. So very good. Uh, it was like Ron Jeremy was in the background. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, so here are some impressions of episode 70 of the Coffee Phone Rare episode. Hope you enjoy it. We are here in a very special occasion because we are once again with a very special guest, David Williams, right here on the show. Um, and we're not in our usual set. No, are we not? This is weird, right? It's, it's very what, weird. What I would call this is middle of nowhere. We are literally in no man's I don't land. don't really yeah. know where we are. Well, we're actually in no man's land. We are. Well, yeah, because there is Wales and there, no, is that? Yeah, and there is England. And we're not quite sure where the line is, to be honest. We just know that there are lots of green things around us and not many people. We did have to drive into Wales to get here. And then we came back out and then we went back Very in. Very odd. It was odd. Yes, totally confusing. Yeah. Um, one thing that you won't be able to to hear on the video, on the podcast, are the strange noises that are going on around us because we're actually in the middle of a forest. Yeah. yeah. Dave has um, some thoughts, let's say, some on what these, these sounds these are. These are facts. <laughs> these are absolute <laughs> cold hard facts. Bigfoot is a thing, right? Bigfoot is definitely a thing. Cryptozoology is a thing. There's no smoke without fire. Exhibit A. <laughs> so if people are talking about Bigfoot, then Bigfoot's a thing. Now what's to say Bigfoot's not watching us right now? Why have you got a torch? <laughs> Just for safety. Just for safety. Just for safety. And I'm... The, Okay. Well, there, there's, there are some very strange noises, I'll give you that. But here's the thing, it's very strange um, that you should be concerned about noises because it's the things that don't make the noise that you should be concerned about. Yeah, uh, like silent farts. <laughs> silent farts. Ooh. What the hell? Okay, we're in a rainforest all of a no, sudden. No, that's an owl. Oh, I can it? tell you for a fact that that was an owl. That was a monkey. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> that's also an owl. Different kind of owl. <laughs> the screaming coming from over there earlier. No idea. <laughs> this is probably going to be a really interesting episode. <laughs> this yeah. is going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> yes, it is. The, the most likely thing that's going to happen at the moment based on all the planning I'm doing is I'm going to leave um, 
early November, cross the Eurotunnel into France, turn left, and then go through Belgium, Holland, Germany, overnight somewhere near Hamburg, and then drive up into Denmark and get a ferry from Herschel's at the top of Denmark um, over to Seydisfjordet in Iceland. And I don't know if you got that pronunciation, but it's Seydisfjordet. I believe it was perfect pronunciation. Thank you. Um, I'm going to spend a few weeks in Iceland. This is the plan. So if this doesn't happen, I'm sorry, but this is the plan. Um, then I'm going to get on the ferry again and over to Torsan, which is in the Faroe Islands. Spend about 10 days there. Um, the Faroe Islands, if you've never been, by the way, is terrible for your mobile phone because they don't really have any roaming agreement with anyone. <laughs> but they've got really, really fast data. It's incredible. It's insanely fast. <laughs> they just like, if you if you want it, it's £100 a day. <sighs> so yeah, about 10 days there with no internet. <laughs> I just have to use the Wi-Fi at the one Burger King in the whole country. <laughs> um, Breakfast, and lunch then, and dinner. Exactly, is. yeah. Back over to Herschel's, drive down to Copenhagen or Copenhagen if you're going for pronunciation in other languages. Um, there's a, have you heard of the Orison Bridge or the Urson Bridge? Urson Bridge. Urson Bridge. Bridge. Yeah, that's the, so. isn't that the bridge that connects um, Denmark to Sweden? It is. Yeah. But do you know what's kooky about it? It was featured in the TV series The Bridge. It's that bridge. It's that bridge. So it's a bridge, but it's also a tunnel. Oh, is it? Yeah. I did not know that. Okay, so on the Danish side, you go into a tunnel... And then halfway through the Urson Strait, which is the strait, the water between Denmark and and Sweden, or Copenhagen and Malmo, comes out of the water <laughs> and over into a bridge. It's really cool. How Look bizarre. it up. So anyway, yeah, I'll arrive in uh, Malmo and then left again up towards Oslo. Uh, spend about 10 days mooching about in the bottom of Norway, doing things like Prikestolen and... Uh, what else is there? There's Twindefossen, um, there's the uh, Atlantisaun, the Atlantic Ocean Bridge that bounces between the islands. I actually rode there on a motorbike. It was in Triumph magazine. So I want to do it again in this because, you know, why not? It's cool. It's a really cool bridge. Um, and then up into Sweden to Kiruna, arrive in Kiruna and that general area, which is Lapland in time for Christmas, so I'll get there about the 21st of December. Then back into Norway, up to the top of Norway, to the Nordkap for New Year's. So the Nor I'll be at the northernmost point in Europe for New Year's, assuming the weather allows me to get there. And then down into Lofoten Island, Senja, that sort of area for a bit, and then back out into Finland, to Lappi, go skiing, and then duck out into Russia and down into Belarus to get out of the Schengen area. That's the plan. <laughs> That's a journey. So that is UK, France, Belgium, Holland, Germany, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Russia. Ten countries, three months. Be fine, around right? the world in 180 It'd be fine. days uh, springs to mind. <laughs> yeah. But then wow, um, the bit after that is going to be countries that I've never been to before because it's outside in Eastern Europe and I'm going to have to stay out of the Schengen area. And yeah. although there are countries in that general area that I've been to, there are lots that I haven't. So I'm going to explore and tick mm. a few off as well. Mm. It's three months long enough to do all of those countries and... Three months for that there. first bit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be tight, but yeah, I mean, it depends on the weather and everything else as well. Sure. So there are places I might not be able to 
to go to because it might be too snowy, too icy, too cold, whatever. They might just be closed. Like Prekestolen is um, pulpit rock. Have you seen Mission Impossible where they're on the big ledge? Yeah. That's yeah. that's Prekestolen. And in December, that's not going to be fun. I'm going to do it. It's going to be fun for me, <laughs> but it's not. It's going to be icy, snowy, cold, middle of no... It's, uh, it's yeah, dangerous, I think, maybe, the word. And, and while your plans still might... <laughs> Might change, I know that. But knowing you, you've already worked out where you might run into weather issues. Yeah. And yeah. what you will do should you face weather yeah, issues. Yeah, exactly. There, right? if, if I get any issues, I know which way to turn um, and what the backup plan is. Yeah. Okay. So like the North Cape, the North Cap, um, it, the idea is to be there for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. But there's a chance that I might not be able to get there because I went there in October last time I was there. And even then, it was difficult. Oh, wow. Because I, I was driving through a snow cloud. You, you're on the top of the mountain. <laughs> Amazing. In, like, the snow's not even falling. It's just there. You're in it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was crazy. <laughs> and, like, howling gales and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's things that might go wrong. There's things that might not work. But there's backup plans in place as well. And various places along this route, I I know people I wouldn't, I don't know if I'm, I know who they are, they know who I am. If I needed them, they'd probably help me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When I get up to the Lofoten Islands in the top of Norway, I've definitely got friends there. But along the way, there's there's people I know, acquaintances, that if I run into trouble, I think I could call on them. Oh, I'm sure. So there's always, I'm sure they would. <laughs> there's man. always things in place. So I hope you enjoyed that. Now, let's talk about number two. Number two was episode 63, which was uh, the episode where we interviewed Chris Knight. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were a number of funny things about this episode. Um, first of all, again, that was in the summer and it was hot as hell in New York. Was, was Chris naked? <laughs> so it looked like to start with when he first came on the call. But he was drenched. I mean, it was, it was so hot. I was uh, in the middle of the heat wave in New York City and uh, he was suffering. He was suffering. So how... how you know, I mean, first of all, to see Chris Knights in in like t-shirts and shorts, that was the first thing. Um, they weren't just any shorts; they were short shorts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And um, <laughs> but you know, I, I mean, how he how he managed to get through that whole episode that was amazing. Oh, I know. You know, because it was hot as hell. Um, good and, lad, good lad. And he <laughs> exactly, and he had Frankenstein this camera. That, that was his lockdown project: was yeah. to Frankenstein this camera together, which which just blew my mind. I don't even recall right now what what he'd put on it, but it was it was massive. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was a complete Frankenstein construction, and uh, and then he just went, "Hey, do you want to see it?" <laughs> he just came and out he with pulled it. out. Yeah, um, wait, hang on. Yep, I'll rephrase. He went and got it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it was uh, that was that was really um, it was interesting to see what people get up to. Um, you know, when when they're confined to the you know to their own home in, yeah. in the lockdown sort of yeah. scenario, but. But um, that was, uh, yeah, it was very impressive. So have a look at that right now. I, I was looking for a way to mount an anamorphic lens to it mm -hmm. and not make it cost $20,000, right? So, so with, with the anamorphic lenses that exist, they're incredibly expensive. Um, if you can rent one, at best you're getting it into something called a PL mount, which is an RE mount, um, which is used for cinema cameras. And... Uh, they do a PL to Fuji adapter. It's like a thousand dollar adapter. And I just wasn't interested in that. 
Uh, plus, I wouldn't ever be able to own a lens because they're all, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> and so, uh, I've seen people adapt anamorphic projector lenses to their cameras, which is a thing that kind of hobbyists and and even kind of uh, mid-level cinematographers I've seen do. They take this lens, they find this, they kind of Frankenstein it to another lens with all these different clamps and everything else, and they they put it on their camera and it gives you that weird uh squeeze right it gives mm-hmm. the 2x squeeze so so um i was on a quest to try to put it on my camera and to put it onto a medium format system is exponentially harder the bigger the sensor size you have so it works really well if you're looking at like a micro four thirds or even a crop to a degree but once you start getting into a full frame and above it's really really difficult to kind of adapt and make work just because of you're shooting through so many different optics that it creates really kind of ridiculous bear, like a barrel vignette around, around the lens. And so I kind of set out to um, create, I wanted to create a still camera that operated like a movie camera that gave me like incredibly high resolving power and resolution so that I could create stuff that felt like stills from movies and actually use the language of an anamorphic system. Because what you get, to kind of be overly technically nerdy about this with, with anamorphic, is you get the uh, focal length of the lens you mounted to. And on a medium format, you have to be in somewhere around like 120, 130 millimeter-ish range whereas like a full frame you're around 70 with a crop you're around 50 um and so you have to kind of start with this almost telephoto lens and then the anamorphic goes on top of it and crams twice the width into the frame right so what you end up with is you get the compression of the original lens so you're getting fundamentally a lens that looks like it's shot on a 130 millimeter lens, 135, right? Mm-hmm. Really great compression. Everything looks really up close and you get a nice separation mm-hmm. from the background, but you get the field of view of half of that. So you're getting a 135 millimeter lens at a 60 to 70 millimeter field of view. So when you're using wider angle lenses and stuff, if you can work it onto your camera, you may be like, getting a 35 mil field of view on a 75 compression. So you don't get that crazy weird distortion of wide angle, but you also get a wide angle. The challenge is, is you have to focus either two Mm. different lens elements at the same time or add a second, a secondary diopter to the end of it, which gets Mm. crazy expensive. And then you have to put it on rails and put a follow focus on it. And it just, it becomes a, massively huge system to photograph with. It's incredibly complicated to use. <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? See, That's uh, what you a know, stunning uh, way to go about it. And like. the funny thing about Do you want to see is... it? I have I have it right over here. Really? Oh, right. Yeah, please. <laughs> so this is what it became. Oh, wow. Right? Let me actually move it over here. So that's what it became. Wow. Yeah. So wow. This is the GFX 100, right? Yeah. That's the GFX 100. 
then I, I, I ended up trying to use a Fuji adapter, a Fuji lens on. I couldn't quite get a sharp enough image. So I ended up adapting as an, as an old Pentax uh, 135 that I had lying around, which is here with an adapter for that. So I'm already to here. Keep in mind, this is a medium format size camera. It's not a small camera to begin with. So then it goes to here, then you adapt it. This is an anamorphic here. Then it gets the diopter here, which is the focusing diopter, because I didn't want to have to focus two lenses at the same time. Yeah. Then I put a matte box on it with a black pro, um, uh, black magic on the inside to kind of soften the optics a little bit, make it feel a little bit more filmy. And then, of course, you have to run uh, a de-squeezer screen onto it yeah. so you can actually see what you're looking at live. Mm -hmm. So what I have to do is I, I use a remote I punch in on it. I use the follow focus to zoom in, and then I push the button to, to fire it. Awesome. The challenge <clears throat> I have found uh, has been to, um, to tether with it. And so I actually kind of had to figure out a, because you capture one and Lightroom don't let you uh, use a 2x pixel ratio an anamorphic pixel ratio natively you have to bring mm. it into photoshop for that which sucks if you're tethering in studio right uh, so what i ended up doing of uh, you can run it to a much bigger sumo if you have it like the big mm. the big external screens or uh with these the little the little uh, the little guy i actually it's got an hdmi in on it what i did mm. for it just as a trial run is i ran it as a secondary monitor onto onto my computer and then so what you could do with the sumo obviously which is much bigger you run it as a secondary monitor set that to the de-squeeze and then set your preview window mm -hmm. and capture one to the second monitor and it'll de-squeeze it live for you it was a whole like rube goldbergian process mm. um it took me it took me a couple months to figure out i'm it's still processing but i get fascinated by like that kind of weird weird stuff that's it <laughs> I mean, I take it you're not going to exactly go out and shoot some street with that. Oh, you absolutely can. Because <laughs> that would you be absolutely can. I, I built it to go on a shoulder rig, and then you 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 basically run the follow focus, and then you right. you do this. Right. Um, it's awkward as hell to do it, yeah. and it's not quick to use. Mm. Um, it's really not quick. But I've taken it outside, like I've taken it around the house outside and stuff. It totally right. works. It's just awkward. It's big. Cool. I'd, cool I'd love that, to though. get a shot of you using that outside. That would just be immense. It's cool. Yeah. It's, it's heavy. It's heavy and it's big. It, it's probably close to two feet long. Hmm. Like all, all, all things attached. It's probably a couple feet long. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. That's, that's what, what I've been doing. The last, the last couple months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you have it. Um, I like the fact that he actually took that out around the, home, around the house as well and uh, took some shots outside. On a gimbal, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Christ, no. No, no, no. no. Um, yeah, no, no, that was bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre, but what a project to oh, do. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Loved it. Totally. And it completely inspired me to, uh, to experiment a little bit with different, um, you know, different lenses, mm -hmm. do different things. So, oh, yeah. So... Uh, that was uh, that was number two. Now, the third episode in our top ten was our photography show episode, episode seventy-five. Now, um, that was super fun. Mm. 
that was probably was special for a few reasons. That one, yeah, it was it? very, very special. I mean, we um, again, you know, that uh, the photography show at the NEC in Birmingham took place in September, mm-hmm. and we had decided to go to the show and produce an episode at the show. Yeah, um, and we thought it would be a great opportunity. First of all, to you know, meet up with some of our former guests in the flash. Incredible. And that was incredible. Um, and then secondly, it was a great opportunity to actually speak to a number of manufacturers and talk to them about, mm-hmm. you know, how they felt being back at the photography show after two years because they had been canceled the year before. and have been yeah. Typically, yeah. Um, the show typically in the past uh, was happening in around March time. And so not only was it canceled the, the year before and I moved online, um, but then it was uh, in 2021, it was pushed back to, to uh, September. So people had basically been out of it for about two years, roughly. And as always with those kind of trade shows, you know, it's, it's a really great opportunity for, for people to connect because photography is quite a solitary profession mm. sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And you could see that with, with the people that are there. And it wasn't as busy as it would normally no. be. And that was expected. Um, that was also that, good, actually. You know, that for, from from a selfish perspective, that was a really good thing, right? Yeah, yeah for us it was good. It meant that we had the ability to, uh, to, to, to grab people and talk to them for a little bit longer than we may have yeah, done otherwise, absolutely. or even been able to talk to them otherwise. Sure. Um, so take um, Tommy, Tommy and Alex, mm-hmm. for example. They hadn't seen each other for ages. That's right. Right? Yeah, that's right. And you could just see in their faces what it meant to actually be able to see each other and to have a face-to-face conversation. Yeah. Funnily enough, I mean, Tommy was the first person we met at the show. In fact, we hadn't even entered the building yet. We yeah, were just walking true. around the building that's towards true. the entrance when, when we heard a voice cry out, Camera Take Podcast! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, well, what's who? Well, and it was Tommy, funny. so it was fantastic. Um, and it was really great to actually, um, you know, meet people in person mm. after after such a long time. Um, and I think, you know, generally, everybody was really so happy to see each other. Um, and so the, the social aspect of the show was really almost as important, if not more important, than, yeah. than being able to play with all the gear. Because, of course, a lot had happened in the year or the two years prior to this to the show. You know, Canon had brought out a whole plethora of new bodies and lenses and, you know, and uh, and really made inroads in the mirrorless sector and everything else. And, and, and actually, like, was with Nikon and, you know, and a whole bunch of other uh, manufacturers that were there. And not everybody was at the show. No. You know, there were, there were quite a few uh, manufacturers who hadn't come over. So everything was a little bit smaller mm. and, and a little bit more spaced out. And, you know, there were, was maybe slightly lower footfall than there would have been ordinarily. But at the same time, it just made these conversations possible, you know. And what we found was that the older manufacturers that we, and older people that we spoke to really had a lot of time for us, which was really um, appreciated. And it was really fun. And you know, I really hope that came across in this episode. Absolutely. And they, they were able to share information that to, you know, to, to you guys listening and watching now that, you know, they were sharing one-on-one with yeah. with people here, you know, as, a, as and when they're able to, when they weren't selling. Yeah. That was, that was absolutely yeah. fantastic. And, and we, we had the opportunity to play um, with the R8. 
R8 or R6. I can't remember. What was it? Go on, keep going. <laughs> I'll give you remember. one more try. See, who, who? I'll give you your third try. Right. Do you, re- you realise <laughs> that I'm not shooting cannon, right? <laughs> R7, R8, R9. <laughs> it's not It's not a Z. <laughs> no, it's not. That's what I've just gone One. Down. Two. Oh, three. There oh, we go. <laughs> it is late. It's late. Anyway, it is. Um, the R3, of course. Um, yeah, so we had the opportunity to play with the uh, with the Canon R3. You know, I think under other circumstances in other years, maybe that wouldn't have been possible quite no, to the same extent. No, agreed. Um, but it made for a really good uh, episode, and um, we give you some highlights in this clip right now. Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 75. And today is a very special day because we are at the photography and video show at the NEC in Birmingham. We were spending two days here talking to loads of people. We've got all the manufacturers are here. We've got Olympus right behind us. We've got Canon. We're looking forward to playing with their brand new R3. And we've got Nikon over there, Sony. Um, a whole lot of our former guests are here, so we're going to get some conversations in with them as well. There's a whole lot of educational stuff going on as well. There's tons of stages. It's really super exciting. It's the first photography show in two years. So join me. I'll take you in. We'll walk around and we'll have a chat with everyone and everything that is anything in photography. So we're here with Canon. Uh, with none other than David Perry. David, how's it going? Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, cool. pretty good, thank you. I mean, this is this looks amazing. What does it feel like being back at the show after like two years? Do you know what, it's, 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 it's so lovely to be back. Um, it was so funny, when we did the setup day, and obviously everything's been built, walking into the NEC mm. and just almost smelling the sort of smells and the yeah. sights and everything, just everything comes screaming back to you, you know, floods back and it's just like, wow, I've really, really missed this. You know, yeah. to, to be able to be surrounded by people who are so excited by photography and love to see the equipment and everything, it's, yeah. just, it's just magic. So yeah, really, yeah. really missed it. And so, so glad to be back. So here we are on the internet. Internet? Let me just say again. Exactly. So here we are on the Interfit Store uh, with none other than Ben Bentley. Ben, how is it going? Hey, nice to yeah, nice nice to see you guys. Yeah, really good. This is uh, day two. Uh, I'm only here Saturday and Sunday, so it's a short show for me this year. Uh, but yeah, it's so far so good. It's been really nice to be back in a room with real life human beings, uh, and obviously everyone's really excited to be out and to be checking out new equipment and checking out new techniques. So yeah, it's a pretty positive experience overall, I think, yeah. Right, so we're here at the three-legged thing stall. Stall is it a stall, is it a stand? Uh, the wax stand, but we're representing three-legged thing. Excellent, so a three-legged thing. We're here with, I'm here with uh, Caitlin McEwen. Um, Caitlin, what is it like being back at the show? It's so great being back at the show to see so many people and to be able to interact with everyone and so people can get hands-on experience with the products. It's really good for them to get to experience it before they decide to purchase it. It's been, it's been tricky for the last sort of 18 months, two years, right? Yeah, it's been really difficult because people want to be able to see the products and everything before they decide to buy it so they can see if it's right for them and for their gear. But being back today has been great. So see what the cat dragged in. We've got Tommy Rogers. That's been the best intro. I, <laughs> so we found, lurking amongst the Sony stands, Tommy Reynolds and Alex Benny, some of our former guests over here, guys. It's been awesome to be here at the show, eh? 
It's so it's so nice to be here, and it's also the first time I'm seeing you and Nick face to face. It's so so lovely to be here. <laughs> it's funny when you see people when you meet people for the first time when you've only spoken to them like you know on Zoom, and I knew you were tall, Alex. But I didn't know you were that tall. Yeah, I, I get that a lot, but uh, yeah, no, it's 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 really good to see you guys in person. We had such a great uh, chat when we we did the podcast, and um, it's just yeah, it just feels so good to be back at the show. Yeah seeing all the people that you know face to face it's like just starting to feel normal again yeah, yeah. so um, yeah I know it's really 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 glad to be back and it was like it's one thing actually being able to go out and work again so that was the first thing but that now actually being in a position where we can all come together and like and meet you know other professionals and start talking to manufacturers again for the first time mm. that's really that's kind of sort of elevated actually it's made it made it made no it's made it made I can't talk today <laughs> this may have something to do with what we've up to last night but, you know, anyway. <laughs> yeah. but um what i'm trying to say is it's made it feel a lot more real for me actually that things are yeah gonna yeah 100 i think well i think photography in general can be a a, a lonely place because you're uh, you work on your own you edit on your own and i think what i love about personally what i love about the trade show in general is it just gives you an opportunity to put names to faces that you might have been speaking to online and that's the great thing about photography in general and the community is that it's so community and the trade shows a great opportunity for us to kind of come together and uh, see other like-minded people and it's, it's just a really I get such a lovely buzz from being around other people so we're here at Road Microphones with uh, Tom Lewis Tom how's it going how are you finding this uh, photography show after two years strange <laughs> um, obviously with everything that's gone on being in in this kind of environment after the show being cancelled 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 feels strange, but it's really good to be here. Really, really happy to be here. We've got lots of cool stuff to show off, lots of new things that people haven't been able to see in person. So yeah, really happy to be here. We're really excited about, about road mics because we use road mics a lot in what we do. And so it's, it's actually great to you know, be able to actually see things in reality rather than on the screen. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, and talk to people that know the stuff the best. So we're here at the Olympus stand with the two Claire's from Olympus and also, better known from Coffee with the Claire's. Yay. How are you guys? We're good. Thank it's you. So good. Thank We're you for having us. So pleased to be here. Yes, Coffee with the Claire's. What a phenomenon that's been. If you haven't watched it, you should. Exactly. Where can you see it? So it's on at the Olympus uh, UK Facebook. We stream it live. Um, we generally do it about every three to four weeks. Yeah, we, do. Um, we started it on a Saturday, but now we've taken it to sort of midweek, uh, sort and of Friday. Evenings. We evenings. do a few evenings. Um, it's such a great family. It's such a great way to connect with customers. And you know, we sort of this all started in the early days of the pandemic. Uh, we sat down and we said, how do we get to our customers? We can't see them, there's no shows, what do we do? And so we said, what about doing like a little chat show type thing? And, it, and it's grown from there. We have our own merch and everything. It's pretty awesome, it's isn't it? It's spiral, not it? It's just gone. This sounds strangely familiar to me, by the way. But we will explore that a little bit further in the near future, for sure. So we're here at the Fujifilm booth with Andreas Georgiadis. Andreas, how's it going? Um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. It was very um, lovely to be back obviously speaking to end users and photographers and everything and we're all a bit out of practice so so only day two and uh, our legs are feeling it um, but um, yeah we, we didn't really know what to expect obviously so so close to um, all the covid guidelines um, all the covid restrictions rather um, ending and what have you but there's been a great appetite from from people to come and see all the new stuff 
um, see us and to like chat to us. And um, yeah, we're, we're really enjoying it. Yeah. It's been a really positive vibe. Um, yeah. You know, we've only, it's our first day here today, but it's been so uh, positive and welcoming everywhere. It's just been great. It's, it's just great to be out again. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's a new hall for us. It's a completely new stand as well. So so we, we're just like getting used to that as well. But um, no, it's lovely to see a lot of the familiar faces, a lot of new faces. We've seen quite a lot of families and um, a much younger audience as well. So that's a credit to the team at the photography show to getting the message out there. Um, but, you know, we, we just love being back. We're here with Julian Harvey from Nikon. Is it Nikon or Nikon? It's actually either, confusingly. Uh, in the US, uh, our US team definitely say Nikon, but in Europe, and in fact in Japan, where I believe the correct pronunciation must be more readily felt, it's Nikon. It's Nikon, oh my God. How could it have been so wrong for so many years? Incredible. <laughs> it's nuts. Anyway, so Julian, what does it feel like being back at the photography show after two years? It's a day that's been a long time coming, right? I think they shifted it a couple of times. Um, it's wonderful to be back, you know. I think we we innovated, as did the rest of humanity, uh, during the pandemic to try and bring as much uh, as we could into digital format. There's lots of good stuff that comes out of that, like accessibility and scalability of the messaging we want to create. But ultimately, it's never quite the same as being able to speak to our audience and to, to other photographers face-to-face -face and really get into some of the detail around these products and, uh, and our brand. Right, so we're here at the Sony booth with Sam Pilling. Sam, how's it feel being back? Well, it's exciting. I mean, we've waited for this event for over a year and we're finally carefully and safely engaging with all the customers again, which it's almost like you've not seen friends for a year. It's, yeah. it's exciting. Yeah. Um, what has been some of the highlights so far for you here? What, showing people products we've been used to for, in some cases, a year, and they're getting their first hands on it. Because during lockdown, people are not be able to go to the retailers and try hands-on with the cameras. There's been the internet, but it's just not the same as a physical event where you get the feel of the weight of a camera for the first time. Specifications are great, but you see people go, oh, when they pick up the camera for a time. And it's, yeah, it's that that we've missed. You don't get that selling something through a web page. So we're here with Lewis Foster from Musicvine. Um, you might recognize Musicvine as one of the uh, music platforms for creators on YouTube. But we're also going to be talking about Upbeat. So, Louis, what does it feel like being at the photography show? It's fantastic. Yeah, and thank you for having me. This is uh, this is actually our first time, so we're, we're newbies here. Uh, we're really enjoying it. It's uh, it's great to be. We're an e-commerce platform, so it's actually amazing to be meeting people in person rather than just online. <laughs> so we're here at the Wacom stand with David Mallows. David, how are you doing? Yeah, really good. Really great to be back. What does it feel like being back at the photography show? It's just so nice to get and see people and interact, show people products, let people feel and touch the products. Obviously, we've been careful. We're COVID compliant, wiping stuff down between people you come in using and switching pens and touching screens. Uh, but it's just so great to see people again. So great to be back out. So we're here at the Zoom stand with Kevin Fabert from Zoom. Kevin, what's your impression of the photography show so far? Um, it's, been a, it's been a good day. Uh, well, a good few days. Um, what's interesting is this is the first time we've done the photography show. Um, we also only started with the brand last summer. So uh, it's been the first opportunity that we've had to actually face-to-face -face meet with people who buy the gear that we sell. And uh, yeah, it's been a very interesting experience. So there you have it. Some impressions of the uh, photography show at the NEC in Birmingham. You know what? I can't wait for the next, the I next really, one. I actually really can't wait. You know? Yeah. How are we going to top it? Uh, I'll tell you how we're going to top it. First of all, we're going to get ourselves a better hotel.
Yep. <laughs> you know, that's definitely... Yep. We spent more... I'm not sleeping with you again. Well, Wait, we sp- hang on. I'm phrasing again tonight. Wow. <laughs> I'm not sharing a room with you again. Well, that wasn't really that wasn't really um, so much of a problem. But the fact that we spent more money on Ubers, although the hotel was literally like five minutes away yeah. from yeah from the from the NEC, we spent more money on Ubers than on the actual hotel room, mm-hmm. which was nuts. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. And don't go budget, people. You know, although we went there by car, but the parking charges were outrageous. <laughs> it's like you were parking Heathrow T5 for forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so in a weird way, Ubers were actually cheaper than, mm-hmm. you know, than, than, uh, than moving the car, the car yeah. closer. But that was, uh, that was craziness. Anyway, so. State of Moxie. State of Moxie. Yeah. If you are planning on going to the uh, photography show in 2022, stay at Moxie, which is, I'm pretty sure that's where we're going to be staying. Yeah, this is on the NEC's doorstep. Yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. So you just fall out of bed and you're there. Um, so that, Which is what you do most mornings. Exactly. So so we hope we uh, you enjoyed that. Now, number four in our top 10 of our uh, 10 favorite episodes of 2021 is the Learn with Hannah episode, mm-hmm. episode 54. Um, that was hilarious. It was. Yeah. Mostly because of the drone footage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in that episode, what happened was, uh, we were interviewing <laughs> Hannah Cousins and, uh, Hannah had just, um, had just brought out her learning platform, mm-hmm. uh, Learn With Hannah, which uh, was really super interesting. And in that she, um, she had one video that were uh, where she was teaching how to use um, high speed sync mm-hmm. with uh, with flash, and so we thought like, oh, that's a really good idea. We should really recreate that video in our own unmistakable style. Mm-hmm. Um, it, mainly, we decided to do that because we thought like, well, it's all well and good. Let's see if you can get the same result with considerably less expensive gear. That was our thinking. Yeah. So rather than using Profoto gear or something, we thought like, why don't we use, you know, consider cheaper gear and see if we can recreate the whole thing and get a similar result. And actually we did. Absolutely we did. Yeah. Absolutely we and did. And so we created a, we created a video um, of that. And, uh, and I think it's, I think it's fair to say that Hannah was very impressed by our efforts. I think she loved the photo. Yeah. Yeah. She absolutely loved the photo. And, and you know, she was quite keen to get across as well that you don't need that gear yeah. to create XYZ photo. You just need to know how to use the gear that you've got. Yeah. I mean, you know, exactly. There's some very basic you know, principles of work there that if you understand those, mm. um, you will be able to get the same result, you know, with. Uh, speed lights or, or, or considerably less expensive strobes, for example. Exactly. So, so that was really, I think that was the thing, the, the main point to bring across is that it's not, it's not about how expensive your equipment is. It's, it's about understanding the basic principles of how to light something in a certain situation yeah. um, like, like this. So, um, so that was very interesting. Again, I love that, that episode because it actually meant that we could go out and film something out in the field, you know, that I find that, for me, is one of the most enjoyable things to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah it definitely is. And I suspect we're going to try and do a little bit more of that over the next uh, yeah. the next year. Exactly. Right? Again, you know, get in touch and, and let us know whether you would like us to do that um, because we certainly do enjoy 
that sort of thing. So, um, you know, again, give us a shout, uh, email us, or write in in any way, shape, or form. Now, here is the best of Learn with Hannah. So we've been looking at Hannah's videos on her Learn with Hannah platform, and one stood out specifically, and that was the high-speed sync video. Now, Nick and I thought, well, we can use these techniques and create our own copy of your high-speed sync photos. So Nick and I went out to the moors and we uh, braved the cold to reshoot um, your video. And here's what that looks like. Hey, we've come out here to the beautiful moors of Rickmansworth, and we're going to recreate one of Hannah's tutorials. It's all about high-speed sync flash. So since not everyone owns a Profoto lighting kit, we've taken our good old and trusty Interfit Honey Badger Unleashed. It's a radio flash, it should do the trick just fine, but we'll just get going, we'll see what we come up with. So we're gonna follow Hannah's instructions step by step. And the first thing we're gonna do is, we're gonna set our camera to 2.8 aperture and we're gonna be at ISO 100. And I'm gonna take just a test shot at the typical sync speed of a 200th of a second. So let's see what that turns out to be. So we're getting a white sky. And what that means is we're gonna to have to crank up our shutter speed quite dramatically. No, oh, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's see, we're at about, actually we're at about 1250, 1250th of a second, let's have a look. Okay, cool, and our sky is perfectly exposed. Now, the foreground's gonna be super dark and that's what we're gonna have to bring the flash in. Okay, now our badger is ready, it's all set. We're using a white umbrella, just like Hannah did in her video, and we're gonna set our flash to TTL. It's time to get dark out here. The sky's got some really nice colors in there, so let's see what we can do with that. We're just gonna give it a shot and see how it goes. good guys seriously i can't that's you got such a good result it's better the vibe so i'm just like this is this is way better <laughs> this is exactly what i love i love it when you get really good results like that what sky you already had some some nice weather out there i mean you're probably freezing like you said nick but that looks great you got such a good result i love it yeah, I tell you what, the sky was cool when we were shooting, but just as we oh. had packed up and we're literally leaving uh, to, to drag all our gear back to the car, the sky turned into this really incredible purple and pink. Oh, and of course like, it did. Of course yeah, it yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
And for, for a split second, I thought, hang on, let's turn around, let's set up again, let's do it again. But of course, by the time we we would have done that, you know, it would have been gone. But oh, it's, yeah, so. when, when it's like that, it's like that seconds at a time, it changes, isn't it? So yeah, exactly. I love what you what you did, and like that's perfect. It just and that's that's really nice because obviously um, with the high speed sync video, uh, that was one of the free videos, or is one of the free videos on the course because it's one of those fundamental things that. Once you understand it and you've got that base knowledge, I think it really drastically changes the results that you will get from your photography. Because yeah. if that sky hadn't been in all those rich, deep colors, you just wouldn't have, have been able to achieve if you had just been exposing for Nick. So um, especially wearing something dark as well. Yeah. Like I, I, it's such it's such a great image. You've got such a great result. And like the work, it looks like you got to that result pretty quickly. And yeah, it's really good. I love it. That's so cool. This makes me so happy. I love it when people go out and get great yeah. results having just sort of you know recreated something and i love that that's so cool really good so there you have it that was our attempt of uh, explaining how to use high speed sync did we explain it <laughs> i don't know you know what it was so cold <laughs> it we was gave so, up by the end didn't we it was so cold um that was that that really was mm -hmm. it was freezing yeah. Is it one of and these who had a coat on yeah me probably you yeah yeah who didn't have a coat on Probably you. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't know, because you had to pose for the photo. <laughs> <laughs> See? Clever. Yeah. Um, behind the camera, you can wear a coat. Oh, um, yeah, so, oh man, it, it's the one thing about this country, the UK, which is where we are, is that um, you know, even in like June, July, you know, evenings and, and nights are still cold. Uh, cold's a big word, but yeah. well, it's freezing basically. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the, that's the one thing. Like, you know, in my experience, you know, it can it can be pretty warm during the day, but as soon as the sun goes down, the temperature really drops quite considerably. It does. So, yeah. you know, as opposed to like maybe some you know countries uh, near closer to the Mediterranean or something, or even the south of Germany, where you know my mom lives, for example, like when you have a really hot day in the summer, you can sit out for a really long time, and it doesn't mm. really get that much cooler. It, it does turn it does turn but don't worry because our houses are not built for that so they <laughs> hold all of that heat yeah, in during well, the day there's that and it's just roasting <laughs> at night yeah well you know yeah that's the beauty of it um that's why i've considered sleeping outside sometimes brilliant are you talking about camping again no no i would put a bed outside <laughs> oh, right okay <laughs> <laughs> that could be it that could be our next trip um right so now let's let's talk about number five Mm -hmm. in our top 10 of favorite episodes. <clears throat> and that was our first anniversary episode, mm. episode 52. Or was it 53? No, it was 52. <laughs> we had a debate about that. At the Bar, time. Is true. it 52? Wait, wait, <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. That was great fun. That was the first time we got out, out. Yeah. Ev, ev, no, not ever, but since lockdown really began. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, right? the... Um, Big deal. Exactly. I mean, what what was happening was that we had earlier in the year, um, or actually I should say late in 2019, no, late, sorry, late in 2020, we had decided that we wanted to go on a street, little street photography outing. That's right, yeah. And the idea was to go to London and then... Um, yes. Just around that time, the COVID cases were going through the roof and we decided at the last minute that it would be safer for us to avoid London yeah. and to go to the coast instead. Yeah. So we went, of course. so we went to yeah. Brighton and, um, 
And then several months later in the summer, well, summer is a big word, but in, when it got warmer and COVID cases kind of calmed down a little bit, we thought, well, maybe now we have a chance to actually go into London and do a little bit of street photography there. And really the idea was to shoot the entire first anniversary episode in London. But what actually happened was very different. Well, we learned a little, little something. Didn't we <laughs> we on learned a bit of a lesson there. Yeah. Apparently, we're not very good at multitasking. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we're terrible at multitasking. <laughs> and to go out and both do photography and try and film an episode like that, yeah. or any kind of BTS, is slightly challenging. And you get completely distracted. Not distracted, you're focused on doing the thing that you're there to do. And that's to take Photos. Yeah. Plus, I mean, the other thing was that we were both like, you know, kids in a, in a, in a sweet shop um, because we both hadn't been to London in like, I mean, I think probably a year or something. At least. Yeah. You know, at least. And so to actually, you know, get back into the big smoke and and just experiencing it. Um, and it was relatively empty as well. There weren't really that many people. But that's right. You heard it here first. Big smoke. Yeah, the big smoke. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, I mean, for, for us, it was like, literally, I felt like we were walking around like wide-eyed little kids, yeah, you know? Yeah, um, yeah And yeah. so it was just too much of a sort of mind-blowing experience yeah. for us to, to even, like, contemplate concentrating on anything else. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually surprised we even got some photos done yeah, in the true. end, you know, because we were literally just walking around going, oh, man, look at that. And we you didn't know? get that many photos. No, done, exactly. Either, really. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, do you know what the funny thing is? We're talking about this now. Hmm. And actually in a couple of weeks, we're going back for a job that we're doing down there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure, That'll yeah. be the first time we've both been to London together since um, the first anniversary. Oh, episode, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All comes back around. Topical. But um, but yeah, so that was uh, that was amazing. So, so the sequence that we managed to put together, this is the thing. So, I mean... You know, what the plan was to basically... I have no idea how that sequence came together. <laughs> well, out of the two and a half minutes that we actually managed to film... <laughs> I like, got two minutes, 27 yeah. seconds. <laughs> I think the plan was to film something like 45 to 60 minutes or something. We actually managed to get some like two and a half minutes together mm -hmm. or something. And so in the end, what we actually did was... Not shaky yeah, footage. Well, <laughs> but what we actually did was uh, when it when it became time to, you know... Uh, filmed the main part of the episode. We just literally just went outside, um, sat down, found a bench by a, a river, and sat down and just filmed the whole thing outside. Yeah. Wasn't the audio good on that? <laughs> it was amazing. It wasn't yeah. the audience great on that. Yeah. With oh, a, yeah. An audience, audience of swans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> swans anyway. and other people on the other side of the river. So, yeah. Good times. Good yeah. times. So that was fun. Um, again, episode 52. Um, here's a little clip. Hope you enjoy it. Camera Shake Podcast, episode 52. 52, that can only mean one thing, it's our first anniversary. It's been a whole year. A whole year of Camera Shake Podcast. A whole year. A whole year. And we've literally just come back from London, which was a whole other experience. It was. How's that for you? It was... Are we getting distracted by the, uh, the weir in the background? I don't know. This is, I mean, this is a first for many, for many things. First of all, I mean, this is like, you know, obviously our first... Um, first year anniversary episode, but also it's the first time we're filming outside. Because as of now, we are allowed to meet up outside. So this episode will be entirely filmed outside. <laughs> and it's strangely distracting. There's like a <laughs> waterfall really over there, or whatever that is. Is that a waterfall? A weir. A weir. A weir. Whatever a weir. That is. A weir. Yeah. 
So there's a weir over there, there's birds over here, yeah. there's like uh, some bell tower behind us, planes above. We could have found somewhere quieter. Yeah. We could have found, found somewhere, <laughs> you know, more fitting for video, but we didn't want to because we like it here. It's very, really nice. It's a nice day. We've actually had a great day in London. That was, yeah. a, that was a really cool day. There's a, there's a bird thing, whatever it is. It's one. It was a swan. It was yeah. a swan. <laughs> So we are in London right now. You can see the South Bank right behind me, the beautiful London skyline, the walkie-talkie is just over there. So we've come to do some street photography, believe it or not. Um, and we shall see how that goes. And that was a little impression of episode 52. Now, we were shooting um, episode 52, or we were shooting some of the some of the photos, some of the you know the street photos. And then of course, um, a few weeks later, we had another one of our guests on, Nina Welch Kling, who is the you know street photography goddess, I would say. Yeah. And uh, the idea was to have her critique our photos, and that really takes us to number six in our top ten of favorite episodes. And that happened because we challenged her in the episode Yes, to come and do it. Correct. Yes. So episode 65, if you want to check it out, that's um, the episode where Nina Welsh-Kling um, critiques our street photography efforts. Yeah. And to be honest... Turns out it wasn't street photography we did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because we, I think our original challenge was we thought, oh yeah, we're going to go to London and we're going to shoot um, silhouettes. <laughs> So and I think we managed to get one silhouette shot. Yeah. You know. It turns out everything else was portrait and uh <laughs> Yeah, we did just buy anything else. But... Architectural. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. But you know, overall I was quite happy with what we came back with. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know by the by, it wasn't strictly street photography per no. se. But I was really pleased. Oh, absolutely. With the absolutely. I, I, was, I I loved all of them a lot. I yeah. thought they were fantastic and um I'm surprised given how we were on the day that they came out as well as they were. Yeah, you know what was really encouraging also? Um, Nina had some really kind words um, she did. for our efforts. And, of course, she gave us some really awesome tips. So, oh, yeah. you know, I can only say that if if you are into street photography or you want to get into it and you want to get some tips 
on how you can improve your street photography, um, episode 65 does contain some real gems from one of the best out gold. there. So absolute gold. So check it out, episode 65, and have a giggle about our little efforts. <laughs> giggle, giggle. Yeah. Anyway, episode 65, highly recommend it. Here's a little clip. Hey, man. Hey, what is happening? <laughs> what is happening? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Glad you're here. Fancy meeting you in person. Yeah, outside. It's very cold, man. How long has it been since we've shot an episode actually face to face? Three months, four months, five months? Yeah, it's been, it's been about a long time. Yeah, too long. Since before Christmas. Too long. We're in April now. But lockdown rules are finally eased slightly, so we can meet outside. So we're doing a bit of an episode here. So today's episode will be shot in the beautiful English countryside, as you can see behind us. <laughs> now, we actually, we thought of a very specific challenge for this episode. Mm. So we've decided to make up on our, well, attempt to go to London before Christmas to shoot some street photography. And as you may remember, we ended up having to go to Brighton because, you know, it wasn't particularly safe at the time. Yeah. to go into town so we're going to make up for this this time and we're going to take you along this time we're going to go there with the intent of trying to take a photo in the style of one of our recent uh, guests nina kling now if you remember she is an awesome street photographer from new york and we love absolutely love her stuff but there's one specific type that we're going to go with the intention of trying to take Dina's style is very recognizable. Mm. One of the things that I think really jumps out is the way that she manages to shoot silhouettes in a street situation. So we're gonna to go to London, not New York this time. We're gonna to go to London and we're gonna try and emulate her silhouette street photography style and maybe put our own take on it. Oh, interesting. Who knows what that's gonna be? Well, we'll find out. So how many mistakes do you think we're gonna make? I don't know, have you ever shot a silhouette? Nope. Definitely not. So we're going to find out how to do it and we're going to take you along for the ride. Oh, another idea. Easy. What we really need is somebody to look at our images afterwards and give them a bit of a constructive criticism. Hmm. Top idea. Clearly, that's the best way to learn, right? Yeah, yeah. Done it before in a couple of our challenges in the past. Well, now I know nobody better than Nina Kling herself mm. to give us a bit of a photo critique. Do you think she's up for it? Nina, are you up for it? My first impression, I love the the dark atmosphere of, of the photo. Yeah. I think it'd be a great book cover the, the, between the birds and the shadow and the, I mean, it must have been a wet day, maybe. Yeah, it was. Um, the, the, the highlights on, on the street, the leading line. Um, I think in order to because there's a car with the lights at the end. The one thing, if you have a strong leading line, you want something strong where your eye goes to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a viewer, like you go there, so you have the car and you have people off to the right. Now, ideally, on a, on, on, if, if you would go back and reshoot it, 
if there's no car and there's somebody walking by with an umbrella with um, balloons, something, a kid playing, something where it keeps your eye in the back because you, you are forcing, and plus your eye usually goes to the lightest part of the photograph. Mm-hmm. So my eye goes up to the birds. And then the, the birds, I think the birds are great. I actually like the birds added in. <laughs> I love that those birds appeared in those photographs. <laughs> um, it would, would have been, now bird photography is interesting in street photography because even the birds need to be placed perfectly. So mm. you could have, or I probably would not have that cluster where they're kind of overlapping the wings. Mm. So if the wings or move it over a little bit or, or remove some of the wings. So you have a clear silhouette, which I sometimes actually do in my photographs. If there is some kind of overlap for a silhouette, mm-hmm. I will either go in and highlight it a little more. So it, it pops more. Um, I, I do like the sense of scale of the people at the end. I think that's awesome. Because if you have this kind of shot where you have the building in the foreground, I think the sense of scale is fabulous. Because you really feel that these these buildings are towering and leaning in from right and left side, and I yeah I think it's I think it's a great photo. In in terms of the atmosphere and and the sky and and the birds and and the people, it's it's very daunting. The first photo for me, um, so this is now we're into our into our London photos. Um, so you you find a lot of tourists down there, and we we're just walking through here. And Kay happened to be walking along that stretch in the middle and thought, and this was like, let's just take a snap now. Let's get it done quickly. While he's there, I said, Kay, turn around, look at me, put your camera down and just took it. Um, in hindsight, um, I'd like to have been slightly more on, on center, you know, further I, I, so I, right I mean, hand. I read it as very much centered because again, my eye, the part that I'm most interested in is, the very nice negative space around the head, yeah. you know, that, that kind of cutout that, that it creates. Mm. I, I think if you actually lighten the side of the building a little more, then the whole figure becomes more of the space around it. Because on the right side where the, the um, it kind of gets blended in a little more. So yeah. in order for that, because it's all about the figure. I mean, this is yeah. less of a candid street shot. I think it's more of a, to me, it reads more like a portrait in, yeah. in, in a, an environmental portrait. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I think when, but it, I think it reads really well as that. And I really do like how you place the the face and how you immediately go to the figure. And it really is about the figure. I think if you would have wanted to make it more into a street scene, I would have moved him way back. Further back in space. Because then he kind of becomes part of the scene and you would have had the white space uh, create a frame around him and would have set him apart from the environment around him. Absolutely. So for the next shot, uh, this is a shot um, that I took in one of the side streets. And um, as always, I think when you are in a city, um, 
you're very often preoccupied with the things that are happening in front of you. Um, but especially in big cities, it, very, it pays to look up sometimes. And so in this particular area of London, in this particular street, um, I think the thing that was striking was just this um, geometry of, of the, you know, the balconies and the lines and, and those buildings. Um, and with the sky being what it was, you know, it just, um, it seemed like it would make a good shot. So I think, again, in terms of composition and um, tonality, even if that's even a word, I love the, 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 I love those lines on this, I guess they're balcony lines or the, the mm -hmm. railings going up. Now, you're absolutely right that your focal point again goes to the lightest part of the of the photograph. So then you you decided to put the airplane there, but now I'm thinking, what could there be where you wouldn't Photoshop and that would make this photograph hmm. of interest in that space? Would it have to be crazy clouds or would it be more about the clouds? What if the the clouds become more of the focal point and you actually have just less on the sides and just have fragments of the building? Because right now you have your focal points are is the geometry of the building. And I like that the right side and the left side is actually um, not symmetrical. So you have this kind of zigzagging in and out on the right side and you have just this one line on the left side. What would happen if you kind of go further to the right and it becomes a, a kind of a slimmer space in the middle or you make it about the sky with the fragments on the side? Hmm. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that works or not, but somehow your intuition of something needs to be there is because it would it does make it a better photo if there is a point of interest hmm. in in the lightest part but what happens if you put it on a diagonal because then it becomes more dynamic do you still need the plane in 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 the middle yeah. um but again i mean you you clearly are very successful in in finding the the geometry and and in a very pleasing layout of a photo but it's more about the architecture than it is about street photography the the difference is now that's personal i like to show the impact of a human being yes so let's I say agree. one of the balcony would have had a piece of laundry blowing yeah i don't think you needed anything else because i think the story is that there are people mm -hmm. living so one little or a handprint or maybe um, some graffiti on the side on one side. So my distinction of street photo, it doesn't have to be, it does not have to have people. It can be architectural. But in my mind, it needs to have a human impact. So this final one from me um, was near the first one. Um, it was a similar area, but just up the road, um, I believe. Um, and so uh, that building in the background is the the Shard, um, by the way. Um, which is that still the tallest building in Europe? In Europe, um, I'm not sure. Maybe it, I think it was when it was built. Maybe it's not anymore. It's certainly the tallest building in the UK. I think. What you do really well is the details and the architectural shapes in in london 
and I also like, so for example, I love the fact that this tree with no leaves, mm-hmm. it kind of aligns with the building, maybe, hmm. maybe. But I like the added tree in the landscape. I also like that the the knees mimic the building. Right. Yeah. There is there's this repetition of shape, yeah. which is also something that is nice to 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 look for and and to capture. I actually took um, three three yeah. shots at this moment, and you're in a slightly different position for each one, and I chose that this particular one for exactly that reason. Hmm. Yeah, because it's it's great to have to have the repetition of the shape and and mimic the the shard, mm. and then again, I mean the leading line, because you stop the viewer's eye with the person. Yeah. So I mean, the person goes right there, and then you move around and look at the building, and I think it's the same suggestion. If if you wanted to make it more about scale, I think this is more about K being shooting, you know, in in this area, and it's. I think these are all amazing shots to put in your website to kind of showing you as a photographer. If you wanted to see scale, I would move him way back. Feather back. Mm. Yep. Because he's still too big. Yeah. In terms yep. of really pushing the 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 scale the the scale part mm. of of the um of the photograph. Number seven of our top ten of the uh, favorite episodes of 2021 is the Joe McNally episode, episode 79. I mean, do we need to say anything about this? I'm not sure we do. Well, it's just, it's Joe McNally. (laughs) We didn't pick any, you know, any particular guests out because we've had so many amazing guests, um, over the last year. And that's really one of the things I think that's uh, sort of blown my mind, you know, throughout the whole year is, um, just the, the caliber of guests that we managed to get on the show. Mm. Um, you know, when, I think when we first started out with, uh, with the podcast, you know, back in 2020, you know, we could have only dreamt of having, you know, the people on that we, that we managed to get on. And so it's been an absolute pleasure and, and a real honor to have really all of the guests on that we've had on. We've learned something with every guest that we've interviewed and it's made us better photographers and appreciate, gotcha. you know, um, all sorts of different genres of um, of photography, and and a hope. This is our hope, of course, that it's helped you, the listeners and the viewers, to improve your photography as well. And we're going to try and make that more of a central theme uh, for twenty twenty two as well. So you know, that's our our aim is to help you get better at what you do. Now, the Joe McNally episode was. Um, was phenomenal, not only because we managed to get Joe McNally on the show, but also because it took us quite a while to actually get him on the show. And that was really not yeah. um, through nobody's fault, but it was no. just um, the way things um, panned out and uh, and things that happened in, in his personal life and, and in my personal life, basically. Um, that meant that we had to postpone that interview quite a few times. And then to finally actually, you know, get him on the show and uh, being able to conduct the uh, the interview was was really uh, very special, mm. I thought. Do you know what struck me about the arrangement of, you know, you're getting that date scheduled mm. was that, you know, if if you could, you could call Joe McNally a bit of a photographer superstar, couldn't you? Yeah. Right? And you would expect 
that someone of his caliber would be a challenging to pin down a date with, mm-hmm. which it was to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, he's busy man. Absolutely. Busy, yeah. busy man. Absolutely. But when issues arose that could not be overcome, mm. he could not have been more forthcoming in Absolutely. trying to find any time of day, even if it meant him getting up at 4, 4 in the morning. <laughs> that was one of to the options. To make sure it <laughs> yeah. happened. Yeah. And that just, that says a lot about a man. And yeah. he, he, wow. I mean, you, what can you say about that? What's, yeah. what's I mean, the he, guy? he literally, he literally suggested for him to get up at 4am to make this interview happen. That was um, phenomenal. We managed to find a more suitable slot. 5am. That was pretty much 5am, wasn't it? But, but, uh, you know, yeah, so that was, um, that really was very special when it came together. And of course, you know, with somebody somebody like Joe McNally and his his career and, you know, his experience and experiences in um, the photography industry, um, it really was a bit of a schooling. It was just so interesting um, to hear his stories of, you know, um, of all the different things that he had the opportunity to uh, to to do and to achieve over the decades, uh, you know, it really was was mind blowing. So, um, again, episode seventy nine. Here's a little clip. Hope you enjoy it. Who was who was easier to work with? Trump Joe or Biden. Biden? <laughs> <laughs> Joe Biden is a is a decent man and and uh, affable to a fault. Uh, we got along really well, and he still has the picture I made of him. It was the lead photograph. He uses it now in, in his Instagrams. He has it framed right behind the Resolute desk. Oh, and he recently oh, wow. did an Instagram where he's holding that framed picture. It's just a simple shot, available light picture of him on Amtrak. But he is known, his nickname is Amtrak Joe, because he would take the Amtrak every day into Washington as mm-hmm. a senator during his senatorial career, and because he lived in Wilmington, which is a pretty short throw on, on Amtrak. So he got the nickname Amtrak Joe. Fantastic. So I don't know if I really want to know, but what was it like working with uh, Donald Trump? Uh, it was um, challenging. <laughs> Let me choose my word. Um, actually, to me, you know, he just kind of treated me like a piece of equipment. You know, right. uh, I was just this guy with a camera and uh, he did what I asked him to do. Uh, his ego is bottomless um so he's perfect fodder for the camera never said no um Hmm. was thoroughly thrilled at that point to be uh heading for the cover of newsweek she was on the cover one of the worst cover photographs i ever shot you know um, newsweek was happy with it i was like you know because he came out of a conference room i was all i was all set up in another room and he came out of a conference and he looked at me goes i've got three minutes let's shoot this cover Wow. Okay. All right. You want to be like that? Go ahead and be like that. I'll shoot you for three minutes and, mm. you know, we'll get this done. So, yeah. Cool. It was an interesting and laborious week. Yeah. I was pretty exhausted at the end of it. <laughs> you must have, you must literally have, you know, thousands of stories like that um, throughout your career. Well, the, the wonderful thing about being a photographer is that, you, you you do get to encounter a lot of life, you know, and you have a an inside track uh, in a certain way because you are 
associated with the publication. You have a camera, you are there to document, record, et cetera. And so oftentimes people allow you access to certain areas of their lives or their businesses or whatever it might be uh, because they are participating in this story. So you get a bit of an insider look at lots of different things. And the wonderful thing is you are oftentimes sent to photograph people because they are so excellent at what they do. Be it um, a uh, uh, dancer or an actor, actress, uh, author, scientist, they are noteworthy. They are doing uh, excellent work. They are a cultural phenomena. They are whatever they might be. You're sent to photograph. So you are a witness to excellence, which is wonderful. Now, uh, Joe, you've, you've completed so many different assignments throughout your career. Um, anything from, you know, shooting, uh, you know, press photography in, in New York City to, uh, to war, war zones around the world. What was the most harrowing sort of assignment you can, you've ever done? I, I've done a very brief amount of um, conflict, you know, areas. I, I, n I never really went out seeking conflict. Let me, let me just establish, I'm not a war photographer. And I have tremendous admiration for those photographers who have done it at a high level and repeatedly do it, put themselves at risk to document these kinds of situations. So at life, I, I did um, a few scenarios, uh, you know, with a panoramic camera. It was sort of aftermath kinds of things in Rwanda or Somalia or Afghanistan or Chechnya, places like that. So, you know, those always have their moments, you know, uh, of, of potential risk and, You go in understanding that and you try to minimize it as best as possible. And it was not an area of photography that I endeavored in extensively. What, what is the real key to doing that kind of work is to have boots on the ground for long periods of time. In other words, really develop a set of contacts and resources and uh, knowledge, thorough knowledge of, of the area in question so that you can photograph effectively. So I've only done it a couple of times. I was in the North of Ireland uh, back in the day. That was my first real bouncing off of international news. I was on the streets of Belfast when uh, Bobby Sands died in the H blocks. Mm. And that was, that was pretty hectic, you know, uh, out there on the streets of Belfast. But it's, I've always lived more comfortably in the realm of my imagination and the idea of doing Uh, stories on people and following them through or a theme or a narrative. I always likened the idea of doing a story at the National Geographic. I, I always likened the, the narrative to be like a clothesline, you know, and I would just hang my pictures on it as I would go. Mm -hmm. Nice way to think about it. I think, uh, I wonder if, uh, did you, you know, if you take those perhaps the times in, you know, or any of those kind of conflict areas, if you like, have you ever felt unsafe to the point where you thought, is this really worth it? Sure. Sure. I, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I've, I, I got flown into Somalia from Nairobi. I flew in on a red cross plane mm -hmm. and I had made arrangements with a wonderful man, uh, Mohammed, who ran a hotel in downtown Mogadishu called the Sahafi, which is Arabic for journalists. And he would be kind of a resident fixer for journalists who are visiting that very unusual city. And, uh, I had made arrangements with him and the airstrip, it was really just kind of a you know, 
stretch of sand mm-hmm. north of Moog. He said, you know, they'll drop you off there and I'll, I'll come get you. So the Red Cross plane dropped me off. And the pilot said, you know, they uh, said something about, you know, there were landmines, you know, that had been planted on some of the airstrips. He wasn't going to hang around. So he spun the plane around and he took off. And that little Red Cross plane just became a dot in the, in the blue sky. And I sat down on my equipment and there was nobody there. And I thought, this might have been really, really dumb, you know, for me to have done this. But, you know, after an hour or so, maybe a bit more, I saw some dust trails and it was uh, Mohammed and, and his, his crew, you know, came and picked me up and got me safely across the green line and to the Sahafi. And then he kind of worked it out with me about what I needed to do to stay safe and photograph in Mogadishu. Wow. To have someone on the ground there like that is just, must be comforting to know that you had someone that you could rely on. Oh, fixers are a wonder and a gift to the photographer. National Geographic had a legendary network of fixers. Um, and, you know, you could plug into these folks, you know, they had a history with the magazine. And if you were going, say, to Moscow or Tokyo, or, I mean, you don't speak the language, you have to have somebody there who's facilitating what you're trying to do. And here is number eight of our top 10 episodes of 2022. It's very enthusiastic. Number eight. Well, it was an enthusiastic episode uh, because number eight was the five room challenge mm. episode. Yes. So that was episode 48. 40. God, that doesn't feel that <laughs> Again, <laughs> concerned at how quick the last uh, no, year has gone. Yeah, wow. The, the five room challenge was an interesting um, episode. Um, it was. Yeah. What we like to do on the podcast is, of course, we like to challenge our guests. And a few weeks earlier, or a couple of months earlier, we had Donna Did It mm-hmm. on the show. And we thought we challenge him to a challenge. And so the idea that we came up with As was... As opposed to challenging him to... Something else. <laughs> <laughs> Another challenge. Anyway, um, so the five room challenge basically meant that we had to go out and, fi- and find um, an object in... Five objects. F- sorry, five objects from five different rooms in our houses. Yeah. And then combine them to create a photograph yeah. of some sort. What I loved about this is how we all came up with five, uh, three completely different approaches mm-hmm. to 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 how we did our did our photos. Yeah. Um, you know, actually, I'm not even going to describe them because you're going to have to go 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 watch that. Absolutely. So if you uh, are, of course, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, I highly recommend you hop over to YouTube uh, where you can obviously see our, um, our efforts. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the results you, of that challenge. You've got to see them. They're so different. Yeah. And so, so different. We, uh, on one hand, we, you know, obviously we, we, uh, describe what we were doing, but we're also, uh, we all shot like a behind the scenes video mm. of how we Quick put one. the whole thing together, uh, which was, uh, which was very cool. Um, and it was one of these things, I think, we, again, we were sort of in the middle of the of the second or third lockdown or something at the beginning of the year. And we didn't really have that much else to do. And it really gave us the freedom to just go and experiment and have a think about it and put this whole thing together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and our three approaches were very, very different. Yeah. And, and and I think that's what really made this challenge great. Yeah. Is we could all come up with the same kind of different objects, fine, different this, mm. different that, but same kind of approach. But it was a totally different approach on on, on all of them. Yeah. And 
I love that. I learned so much from both of you uh, that, well, oh, okay, that's cool. But equally at the same time, I went into it going, you know what, I'm just going to try something I've not tried before. And you did something really totally different, actually. It was totally different yeah. from my perspective. And I'd never done it, you know. Um, you know, there was some there was some light painting involved. Exactly. And yeah, with an iPad. You, with an iPad. Yeah. Who knew? Um, but isn't it funny how things start to connect and you go, you, and this is why it's so important that if you do landscape photography or you do this, you do that, you do mm. this, you do that, is to try and bring things that you learn doing those different types of photography into something else that you want yeah. to do. And that's what I tried to do there is that we've done a lot of light painting cars. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. of, of late since lockdown started. And I, I thought, well, why can't I do something yeah. to do with that in this photo? Because the objects that I found related to light and color, yeah. the first couple I thought, you know, I'm going to stick with light and color. It's working. That's where I like that. And I thought I'll go with that. Mm. And that's where it led me to. And it's, yeah. I was, you know, is it the greatest photo in the world? No. Hey, but I love doing it. Well, and I learned a ton doing it because it's the process. I think yeah. that's that's the interesting part. You know, like making the whole thing, and you know, we've talked about this many times, obviously, on the podcast. Is that actually, you know, the the process of making something is what really drives us. You know, much more than the end result in mm -hmm. many ways. Um, you know, I had so much fun. First of all, thinking up, but you know, my you know, my challenge, if you want, or, or, you know, thinking up my final photo and thinking up the composition and thinking about, you know, what objects I was going to use and how they would relate to each other and how I could make them relate to each other. And, and also, you know, what story I could tell in the photo. That was, to me, um, that was really fun. And then once I'd sort of arrived at, you know, this is the story that I want to tell, then I kind of kept thinking, okay, so what sort of objects work together and how can I arrange yeah. them so that they, you know, that they built this little relationship and they, they come together in the photo uh, in a way that they look like they belong together. Do you know what struck me? And I'm just thinking this, thinking back to it now mm. is that, um, you know, Dunner had a collection of items that he managed to put together in a scene. Yeah. Items that you wouldn't expect to be put together. Mm -hmm. I put items together, which had a connection a top topical connection, if you like. Mm -hmm. well, maybe that's not the right word, but color and light. I made sure that they were all related to that for whatever reason. But you put, and this, this it screams you to me, knowing you as well as I do, mm. you put together items which told a story. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and and it, they all did their own thing. And, and yeah. oh, that's what I loved about it. Loved yeah, I mean, it. that's, you know, for me, that's obviously that's always the underlying um you know, the foundation of everything is the storytelling aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, and and that was actually the, kind of what I started with. I tried to come up with a story. And and then then things start to fall into place quite easily. And then it was really just about finding the centerpiece, you know, and all, all the rest of it. But um, it was a really, really fun challenge, I think. Wasn't it? Yeah. You know, I really liked putting, I mean, I, I shot. It was hard though, to begin with. Yeah, in the beginning, yeah, it was mm. just you know, and I I really spent a lot of time just trying to find the right story, basically, yeah. you know, um, because I was thinking about cars and the kind of stuff that we've been doing, and you know, and I couldn't really come up with with stuff, and I was looking around my house and I couldn't really find anything that would relate to that in mm -hmm. way, uh, in in all the different rooms, you know, 
And so once I kind of settled on the story that I wanted to tell in the photograph, um, you know, then it was relatively easy to find the objects that would, that was fit together. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, but I've, you know, the whole process of actually setting out the flat layer was basically a flat layer I shot and, you know, fiddling around with it and like giving it some atmosphere and just making it, you know, prodding stuff. And that's, as you know, I love doing all that kind of stuff, you know, what prodding. Well, yeah, obviously, mm. 100%. So, you know, um, that really, to me, was probably, you know, the the best two or three hours in that week was just being able to, you know, shut everything else out and just concentrate yeah, on that and like, totally. creating that and, you know, flicking some, I don't know, coffee powder or some straw or whatever else I used to create atmosphere in that and just, you know, making that. And also, you know, making the, uh, the, the behind-the-scenes video was also fun. I really yeah, enjoyed actually making that and, you know, and cutting that together and stuff like that. So yeah. it was, you know, because it was one of these things where we were making something. And I, I love that, you know. And of course, we kind of make these episodes every week, but it was just another extra thing um, that we just happened to to make that week. And, you know, that was super fun. Again, at a time when the UK was in a, pretty much in a full lockdown. Um, That's it. So here is episode 48. Hope you enjoy it. All right, so I've picked out my five objects for the five room challenge. The first one actually being this table that happens to be in my living room. I really love to shoot on this. And then in the bedroom, I found this book. It has a really cool kind of texture to it and it's just kind of a basic gray. So we're actually gonna be using this as kind of a backdrop. From the bathroom, I've got this beard oil, which is in this really cool kind of plain, rustic looking brown bottle. From my office, I got my Pentax ME Super. This is gonna be kind of the start of the show, our center point. And then finally from the kitchen, I got this big knife and we're actually gonna be using this as kind of a way to reflect right close to the lens itself. So this is gonna be completely out of focus. You're not actually gonna see this, but I'm just gonna hold it right up to the bottom of the lens and see if I can get some kind of cool light, almost like light leaks. I'm gonna be shooting on the Sony a7 III with the 105 millimeter macro lens from Sigma. I just got this lens, so I'm all excited to use it. So I know that it's gonna be a pretty kind of tight frame. And then with the knife, all I'm gonna do is kind of hold it up right in front of the actual lens itself and just try and find the right spot for it. All right, I got my shot, it's looking pretty good. I'm actually gonna transfer it straight from the a7 III over to my phone and do the edit in Lightroom Mobile so you can see the before and the after here. So first up, I decided that I would go with color and light as a theme. And I went around my house and I grabbed some of those objects. Let's see how that looked. So we've got an Edison bulb lamp, which has come from my bedroom. We've got a candle, uh, which I took from the living room a rubber duck from the bathroom because why not and we've got a classic 70s style lava lamp and we've got a galileo thermometer uh, which came from my hallway i'm using the canon r6 um, it's got a tamron uh, 90 mil macro lens on the front 
And from a settings perspective, I've gone for 5.6. So there's still some depth of field there. ISO 100. And then my shutter speed uh, was two different shutter speeds because I took two shots as a composite here. I had once one was set at around uh, 1 to 50th of a second. That was to freeze the uh, flame and to give a little more, little more detail in the uh, Edison bulb itself. My other shot was then at 10 seconds. And so now let me talk about the lighting. There was no lighting. This is a 10 second exposure where the only lighting involved was with my iPad. So what I've done is you'll see the blue and the purple kind of lines at the back. That's my iPad. And what I've done is put a JPEG of those kind of lines um, turned up on, on my iPad, turned up the brightness on the iPad to its max, set the camera rolling, and then I've slowly walked behind the scene to create those lines. Once I'd gone all the way across, I then moved around the objects to, to give some of that light onto those objects as well. So I've effectively light painted the scene. It probably took a couple of tries to get that just right. Um, but other than that, it was as simple as it sounds. From an edit editing perspective, there wasn't a lot that went into this. I composited those two photos together and then simply was in Lightroom and I boosted the contrast, the highlights and the shadows a bit, um, a little cl clarity in there too. And I also added a little orange to the highlights and some magenta to the shadows because that's what just felt good to me in this particular image. Anyway, it's a bit different. It's not something I normally do and I guarantee it's going to be different to the other guys. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I hope you liked the photo. And if you haven't tried out light painting with an iPad, go do it. Number nine. Nine. Number nine. What was that? <laughs> Number nine in our top 10 um, of our favorite episodes of 2021 was the lockdown shootout. Sorry, hang on. You don't get to get away with that. <laughs> nine? <laughs> no, what was that? I'm making up my ringtone on my message phone for you. <laughs> Brilliant. I want to hear that. <laughs> wow. Uh, lockdown shootout. Yes. Yeah, lockdown shootout. This was 
brilliant. Episode 42, The Lockdown Shootout with Ivan Weiss. My God, I loved every single second yeah. of this particular one. Um, you, aside, forget doing it myself for yeah. a minute and all, all of that and you know, creating my own BTS for it, all, all that. What I learned watching your guys' videos was it's it's just one of those hour hours where you go oh yeah oh wow mm. oh wow yes <laughs> yeah okay yeah. Uh, you just you can learn more in an hour than you've learned over the last yeah. five years you know it's one of those episodes that yeah it is gold from start to finish so the cool thing about the lockdown shootout um was that uh we again you know it's very, I mean, not too dissimilar to the Five Room Challenge, where we had Ivan Weiss on the show um, a few weeks earlier, and we challenged him to yet another challenge. And what we came up with was, we basically said, okay, let's spend a week creating a selfie. This is really a selfie challenge. Mm -hmm. um, but we're going we're gonna to create selfies of ourselves uh, in some elaborate way. And, uh, and then we compare them, and we talk about them, and we take you through the whole process of how we shot them and how we edited them in the end. Um, and that was, again, it was one of these things, you know, we were in the middle of a lockdown and, you know, it just gave us all something to do. Um, and Ivan was immediately into that idea. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and that was, that, was, uh, that was an awesome thing. Again, you know, it got us to do something. Yep. Um, it got us to be creative. And, we, you know, just being able to show the whole process, you know, hopefully, you know, gave people, gave our, our uh, viewers and our listeners, you know, something to think about and maybe, maybe mm. learn one or two new things. Absolutely. I certainly found, you know, when I looked at, uh, when, uh, when I followed Ivan's uh, behind the scenes video, uh, that was really super interesting God, to see how, you yeah. know, how he thinks when he shoots and, um, and also how he creates this, his really his signature style. Um, that was super, super informative. Yep. Um, again, you know, episode 42, you know, go check it out. Um, I, I mean, I thought we we both created great photos, mm -hmm. uh, but Ivan's was just on an, it was on another level. It was superb. Yeah. And you know, what was, um, what was great was, was that we all in a way sort of thought the same thing initially where, you know, we thought like, oh, you know, we're going to have to sort of copy Ivan's style or something to compete with right. him. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then of course we, we all arrived and including Ivan, by the way. Yeah. You know, we all included, uh, we all kind of sort of arrived at, at the point where we thought like, well, actually, no, we're going to have to do something that's us, you know, like I have to do something that, that, that's me. You know, I can't, I can't try and look and uh, create something that looks like Ivan's work. Yeah. You know, that's completely yeah. um, pointless and actually sort of missing the point, you know. Totally missing the point, you're right. And, yeah. uh, and so, you know, I think all three of us created, you know, um, self-portraits that really reflect us and who we are and how we think when we when we create you know photos so ivan mature sophisticated, sophisticated yeah cool guy yeah me miserable moody bastard <laughs> you bit of a clown well yeah i mean you know <laughs> true yeah absolutely. but then i i i'm being slightly facetious about it all but, but it's true yeah but absolutely. It, you know, give or take that's yeah, yeah. you know it's Kind of the yeah the the what what we ended up with wasn't and it's it? true yeah I mean and the thing is like self portraits of course <laughs> that's so funny, it, that's yeah. absolutely true I mean self portraits really you know 
in an ideal world, self-portraits are not just a photograph of your face or something. Yeah, it's right. uh, in an ideal world, you know, they showcase your personality as much as what you look like. Mm, mm, and I think that's really, mm. really important. And if you when you know, if you can create something that really transcends that and that that really, you know, um includes your personality or showcases your personality, then you're really getting to uh the the ultimate, you know, raison d'etre of a of a self-portrait. You know, and I think and it's true. I mean, you know, you look at Ivan's um you know Ivan's self-portrait you know, the colors are muted. That's him. That's how, that's him absolutely down to routine. You know, um, that's how he dresses. Those are the, the colors that he is, is very fond of. You know, um, you can see that in all of his work. Um, it, this, you know, it's down to the, the background colors that he chooses and all the rest of it. Yeah. You know, um, with you, you have that kind of emotional depth to it. You know, and that really mm -hmm. came um, across in the way you lit your, your image mm -hmm. and in your pose and your facial expression, uh, you know, and everything else. And for me, yeah, I always like, I like to look at the humorous side and things. And I do like to include some, you know, some, a little bit of humor in there as well. And that's, you know, that's what I try to do. And, um, and for me also, it was, I involved, you know, my, my stepdaughter in it. And it was a bit of a kind of family affair as well, because it was just a fun thing to do. You know, I had fun doing it, you know, it was again, you know, we were in the middle of a lockdown, so actually everybody was up for, you know, creating a bit of a mess in my studio space, and um, um and you did, and I did, yeah, <laughs> and you know, we had just had a little bit of fun, <laughs> and it was very cool. And so again, this is one of the uh, one of the challenges uh, where we just practically got to do something, got to make something, and that's definitely why for me that is in the top ten. Oh, yeah. So here is episode. 42, or a little impression of episode 42, um, the lockdown shootout. And again, be reminded that if you want to see the uh, the whole episode, including the bits where we're taking you through the Lightroom and Photoshop edits of that, uh, then, you know, uh, you find the link in the description below. But here's a little bit of episode 42. So Ivan, um, when we first came up with the idea of doing a selfie challenge, what, what went through your mind there? Um, well, I mean, to, to be honest, the first thing that I was thinking was, because it's camera shake podcast, I had in mind an idea of trying to shoot something that incorporated the idea of camera shake. Um, and as, as is my normal sort of creative process, I just do a lot of kind of unstructured thinking and just let the idea kind of roll around in my mind for a few days. Um, and then I realized that I would need some way to shake the camera because if it's a self portrait, it's a bit difficult to do. So I started yeah. thinking, you know, is there some way I could like sit it on top of the washing machine or, <laughs> or oh, <yeah>. <laughs> something <laughs> of that nature? Um, but yeah, it, that that turned out to be a non-starter when I when I started getting more into the into the technicals. Um, so yeah, when when I sort of turned away from that idea, um, I just thought, well, actually. Let me just shoot something that's, you know, in the style of what I would normally shoot for uh, a client, um, but with myself as the subject. Um, so I went from there and having all the time in the world and not needing to worry about uh, keeping my subject from getting bored or 
having to engage the subject, um, I ended up just getting all of my lights out and setting up a, a ridiculously complicated light setup. And, and I had a, a great deal of fun playing with uh, adjusting each of the the lights to to get uh, you know very specific with which bits of the image are lit and how they're lit and from what direction and hard light and soft light and all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was great in the end. It, I think, like I said on the first podcast, uh, sitting there thinking about it, it felt like, oh, this is a big thing. But once I got going, oh yeah, it was fun. Uh, I spent several hours, um, and uh, it was it was satisfying to 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 create something. Hmm. Nick, how about you? How, what went through your mind when you, when we first uh, sort of came up with this challenge? Um, fear. <laughs> no i i thought well you know going i you know obviously i know ivan's work and um uh, the type of portraits and uh, that he does and they're just if you haven't seen his work before just just go and pause this go look now and <laughs> it's just awesome i thought there's no way i'm going to be able to produce something um anywhere close to what what ivan does um but for topic i you know, like Ivan, a couple of things went through 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 my head. I thought, you know, do I perhaps try and go for something um, similar to what what I suspect Ivan might produce, so that we're kind of on the same same wavelength? Yeah. I thought, no, that's silly. Do what I do and do it as well as I, I can. You know, and it's so that's why I settled on. Um, you know, I. I had a theme in my head of, um, I, and for the life, annoyingly, I can't remember what it was I was watching. Um, but I was watching some TV drama and I thought, hmm, that could be interesting. And how about I come up with something that's a little bit like a, um, what might be a TV advert of a really moody character. And I thought, yeah, that kind of sits quite well with my personality. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So that's that's the uh, the route that I went. Um, I kept things simple, um, quite deliberately, because um, space was a bit of an issue too. Mm. Um, yeah, there we go. That's uh, that was my general thought process to begin with, without going into great details about the setup yet. Anyway, mm. how about you, Kay? Um, I mean, I think I had similar thoughts. Uh, you know, at first I thought like, oh, uh, okay, you know, a photo challenge with Ivan in the game—that's hard. Um, and then of course the, the, the next thing, the next thing you think like, okay, I've got to produce something that's sort of in Ivan's style. Um, and so I had some ideas of like, you know, recreate, totally recreating one of, one of his, uh, sort of self portraits that he's got on his website and just putting my face in it. <laughs> so, you know, um, but then I sort of thought, no, that's, you know, it's just like you, Nick, I kind of thought, well, actually, you know, um, I've just got to, I've just got to do what I do and, uh, you know, and so it sort of means that you end up playing to your strengths, of course, you know, mm. um, what was, what was different this time was that I sort of, I thought I, I had an idea well, probably about a year ago or something. Um, when I, well, I started a, a photo series called three heads in a row, which is really shot in the style of, of what I produced for this challenge. Um, and so the idea was there to, um, to sit across the table from another person, you know, and have a chat for a couple of hours and just shoot, um, and then create a, literally a triptych of portraits um, that, that go on, on Instagram because you've got three images per row. That's why it's called three heads in a row. Um, and, uh, and and to really kind of bring out sort of almost like a comedic side to it. 
Um, and and I started that in in twenty where are we now in twenty nineteen. Um, and then of course COVID totally disrupted that that endeavor. And and I realized uh, a little while ago that I hadn't shot like the last person I shot for this particular uh, photo project was my mom, and that was Christmas twenty nineteen. And so I realized that I hadn't shot anything for this in a whole year. And I kind of thought, you know what, this is, uh, this is actually just an opportunity to, to really kind of get back into things. And at the same time, I bought some new uh, modifiers and stuff. And I kind of thought, you know what, if I can use this as a challenge to sort of, to, to simplify the process for myself at the same time, but produce sort of the same result, then I'm kind of killing two birds with one, with one stone, Mm -hmm. as it were. Um, So that was the thing. And it, you know, uh, the idea of uh, of, have, of doing sort of an action shot that was that was the next part of the concept, but uh, but it was super fun. I, I got my I got my almost my whole family involved in the actual shoot, so it was a bit of a yeah, it was a fun fun little exercise. So I actually had a lot of fun doing it in the end. So before we come to number ten of our top ten of our favorite episodes, let me just tell you now, we got a bonus in there for you at the end. So stick around to the end. I know, I know, I know. Anyway, number 10 in our top 10 of our favorite episodes of 2021 is episode 56. That was our interview with Joel Grimes. Joel. Legend. was an absolute legend. Wasn't it? That was super fun. Um, What struck me about that was how open Joel was um, in really, um, you know, the whole episode was like peppered with nuggets of gold. That was over and over and over again. Just when you think it stopped. Hmm. It started again. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> incredible. And, you know, the, the, the problem really is, is that we've had, again, I can honestly say that I've enjoyed every single episode uh, where we had a guest on. Oh, and yeah. it's been, you know, it's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, but if there's, again, if there's like one person where I thought we'll never going to get him on the show, it was Joel Grimes. And in fact... The funny thing was that when I initially emailed Joel, he literally got back to me within two minutes mm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he just went, yeah, when? Let's do it. Oh, you see? <laughs> just amazing. Um, good so, people. They're just good people. Absolutely. So, we, you know, again, uh, we had to pick a number 10. Um, and let's have a look at... We don't need to say anything about it, do we? This I know, one, I know. It's just... Every single second is worth watching. Classic but we'll show episode. You a little bit of it now. Absolutely. Classic episode. Episode 56, Joel Grimes. Have a look now. It's the trendsetters that usually get the most attention. Yeah. And I always say, don't get, don't set a trend just to get attention. Set a trend to do, fulfill your vision as an artist. Exactly. But yeah. in stepping out of the box a little bit, you do get, um, and you do go down a path that maybe a lot of people uh, haven't done yet. And so um, I'm, I'm always willing to take the heat. And my wife answers most of my social media stuff. And of course, I get shredded uh, all the time. It's about every day tell, someone says I suck. And then, you know, there's a whole group that say you're amazing, right? But there's always someone that says you're, you know, you're off, you're, you're, you're terrible, whatever. Um, you know, keep your day job kind of thing. But um, I, I'm willing to take the hit. I actually like, I like it when I get, um, well, I wouldn't say, you know, you know, if someone says, I'm bald. That kind of hurts, you know, because I'm very self-conscious about that. Just, just kidding. But uh, <laughs> you know, they attack me personally. Um, but no, I like the idea of 
of ruffling, ruffling the feathers a little bit and I'm willing to take the heat. So I'm willing to take the risk of, of stepping out. And a lot of photographers are not, they're just so nervous about, about getting criticized. Mm. And I think you have to have a, a little bit of a thick skin um, yeah. or I don't know if it's so much thick, thick skin as more of just understanding the real world and how it works that if you try to please everyone, you'll please no one. So, mm -hmm. um, and if I, if I, if I try to please myself, that's number one. And I say that and I'm a selfish person. I mean, we're all selfish to some degree, but I'm not mm -hmm. saying that, you know, I'm, I'm, it's all about me. It's, it's what I'm saying is that as an artist, I have to get to my end result. Mm -hmm. And if I don't get to my end result, then what am I doing? I'm just copying other people or I'm spinning like a dog chasing its tail. So yeah. I have an end result I want to get to. Um, I'm willing to take that risk. I step out. Maybe I fumble a little bit and people, uh, you know, don't, don't agree with what I'm doing, but eventually I always say that if you take anything and you refine it enough, hmm. you will get good at it and you'll get a following and you'll make a mark. Yeah. You just have to believe in, in what you're doing, what you do, right? Yeah. You know, and, um, and just carry on with it mm -hmm. regardless. Yeah, really, the same you know, thing happens with music. Look, go to uh, all those shows like American Idol and the X Factor, whatever those, all those shows. And, you know, someone gets up there and they have a great voice and they have everything, but they don't have any, they don't have a hook to hang their hat on. They're just copying somebody else's. So, you know, what do they say? Be original, be yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know, my favorite type of um, criticism on, usually on places like YouTube and, you know, well, any of the social really, but on YouTube, I see it a lot, is those that are having a go about what someone's doing, but smokescreen it in all this technical jargon and all these random techie words that they think that whatever they can cram in there to cover up the fact that actually they don't have a point whatsoever. They're my favorites. They're yeah. my favorites. Yeah, well, it, because as, <laughs> as an instructor, and you and if you've taught anything, you know this to be true. Um, uh, even as your development as a photographer, it's a lot easier to learn technical stuff than to be a creative person. Mm. The, the technical yeah. comes a lot easier, right? You can use terms and you know, have stop shutter speeds and all that. When it comes to the creative process, it's a lot harder to find that. And so as an instructor, um, I, I could get away really easily with building a thick note, uh, you know, a handout and saying to everyone, here's all the technical information you need to know, and then walk away, right? And, and just say, you know, learn this. And that's how a lot of the instructors I had growing, uh, going through college uh, were very technical. And it was easy. You just drop off the, 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 the notes, you know, or whatever it is and say, you know, learn this, read this, you know. And, but when it comes to really teaching someone how to see, how to have a vision, that's a lot harder. And so as an instructor, I spend a lot of time trying to teach people uh, how to be, um, you know, how to have a signature, a creative voice, uh, those kind of things. And yeah. it's kind of a, a little bit more like it's kind of a, you know, nebulous thing and it's um, not as easy to define. So there are people that want the note, you know, the, the handout with 32 pages of technical information on lighting. I can teach you how to light uh, very quickly from an intuition perspective. Mm. It'll take me weeks, months to teach you how to do it technically, mm. but I can teach it really quick. So I, when I go and do my lighting, people are just, they're dumbfounded. They can't believe how simple it is because they've yeah. been taught the technical side of things, fractions, 
uh, ratios, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, for years, I haven't, I haven't touched a flash meter and uh, there are photographers. One is Frank Dorov. He, we, we have this little thing going on, me and Frank, he's a, he's a hoot. And, you know, he, he's really into his flash meter. I, I'm like, I lost my broke 35, 40 years ago and I haven't replaced it. Yeah. <laughs> and so we get into a little bit of a, a little bit of a battle on that, but I mean, it's each his own. I mean, he, you know, he's got it as a way to approach things, but, and that's fine. But I, I'm much more of an intuition, you know, how does it look? Does it yeah. feel right? Is it working? Well, I don't care what the exposure is. If it doesn't work, yeah. if it's a correct, I always say, what is a correct exposure? Does anybody know? Yeah. Well, I can take a gray card, stick it in my scene and photograph it. And I have to make that exactly 50% gray. I can do that. But does that make an exciting picture? No. So, it's very, it's yeah. very similar to music. Um, the way I always kind of compare it to music is uh, when you try and teach somebody how to improvise. Right. Because you can teach somebody the scales, you know, and the chords and um, which scales to use in which context. But A, you always have options when it comes to scales. And secondly, you know, improvisation is not just rattling down the scales. It's basically making music out of it. And that's, it's just as nebulous, mm-hmm. you know, as, uh, as, as teaching some, somebody um, it is, about uh, Creativity. You remember when Carlos Santana came out with the uh, Supernatural album? It was album of the year, mm-hmm. or whatever. And and I'm a guitar player, and I listen to him. And 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 you you think about Carlos Santana, um, and you know there's some great guitar players out there, but mm-hmm. Carlos Santana, Santana, what he did is is um, his 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 guitar is. You, you say, where's the lead solo? It's throughout the whole song. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. song yeah. And so that's kind of strange. Okay. So, because usually you, you know, you're singing your verse, chorus, verse, then all of a sudden there's the lead, you know, guitar yeah. part, you know. But he, and, and then the other thing that he does, and a lot of a lot of guitarists do, is you know, you 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 got your timing right. So you're 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 supposed to be on track with your timing, but a, a good musician will between, you know, uh they'll slow it down. And then speed up and catch up to the timing, right? It's like this arc, you know, this or whatever, this slow, and then come back, and yeah. then you end right on on timing. Yeah. And that's that's a good musician, jazz musicians do that too. It's where you're 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 mixing it up emotionally to where the 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 listener is sucked in, right? Mm. And in some ways, you, you think a, a good musician is there but you don't really know they're there, right? Mm-hmm. They're filling in something that that's perfect, but it's not overpowering. And the same thing with photography is that you're doing something that that is maybe extremely important to the photograph, but it's so subtle that it's, mm-hmm. unless you really know it's there, you don't, you don't, what to look for, you don't know it's there. And so um, when you look at my photographs, they're very, they're, they're, they're I say, they're worked, they're contrived. I mean, they're, they're, they're polished, but what I also want to do is polish it to where then it doesn't look like it's polished. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a hard thing to do, but, um, and maybe I'm not succeeding. I don't know, but I feel like, you know, um, it's, it's that, um, you know, it's like a, it's a, what does it call it? Uh, order in a world of chaos. So I hope you enjoyed our favorite top 10, but before we finish, 
let's just move on to our bonus episode because we couldn't just leave it at 10. No. Absolutely. And there's definitely someone we cannot leave out. Absolutely. Now, are you Tommy, still listening? <laughs> are you still listening in the car, Tommy? Or are you watching that YouTube video again? Um, so, you know, we, I think we can't get around to uh, saying a big thank you um, to Tommy Reynolds, of course, who has been on the show not once, not twice, not three times, but four times in total. I think that's over, a little greedy on his part, don't you think? <laughs> well, over the last, not, not only over the last year, but actually um, over yeah. the last sort of year and a half. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> again, you know, I remember emailing Tommy the very first time. This was this was back um, very early on um, after we started the podcast. And he was so happy to come on. And he had so much energy that uh, we asked him to come back a little bit later. And because um, I remember when we went into the second lockdown in the UK, which was sort of October time, something like that. I forget. You know, we thought we put an episode together um, of, uh, I think, five different photographers who would give a little bit of advice um, on on how to deal with yet another lockdown and what to do and, you know, how you can keep your spirits up. And as, as a creative, right? As a creative, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so, and of course, Tommy came back. And then, of course, we met Tommy again at the uh, photography show in the flash and we've spoken to him since a few weeks ago it's been absolutely amazing thank you so much tommy for coming on the show and um making this you know a great experience for everyone yeah and it it turns i'm not sure if we mentioned this on the last episode or not but just prior to us filming the last episode it turns out that tommy and i have a connection that we didn't <laughs> know existed oh, yeah that's which right. is very 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 odd yeah. so a, a really good really good friend of mine um, is related to um, uh, Tommy's wife. Yeah, and that, that wasn't the only thing because he's he's also friends uh, with a former student of mine, which was the other. Thing. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So it was a very weird connection. But um, you know, hopefully, strange. we'll we'll be seeing more of Tommy on this channel. I'm sure. Um, so if you're interested in uh, checking out the episodes that he features in, um, I'll do it backwards. It was episode 84 uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, 75, 28, and 26. So see what the cat dragged in. We've got Tommy Reynolds. <laughs> As in the best intro. <laughs> today's special guest well, is... Well, before you do announce who today's special guest is, yes. I'm pretty sure this special guest is going to be listening to this audio episode in the car. Woo! Oh, yes! Oh. 100%. Right, so um, please welcome the... Highly renowned international portrait photographer, speaker, <laughs> educator, the master of behind the scenes, and our brother from another mother, YouTube's very own Duracell bunny. Give it up for Tommy Reynolds one more time. I, I've got to give you a clap. That's the best intro someone's uh, ever given me. That's brilliant. Uh, I love that. <laughs> so there you have it. Um, make sure you listen to these episodes on audio on all the usual platforms, uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and cat in the background. Cat's going mad. Cat's going crazy. Very, very upset. Mm. So uh, make sure you follow these uh, episodes on audio, or if you prefer to see our lovely faces rather than just listening to ours, then you know, make sure you hop over to YouTube, uh, youtube.com forward slash camera shake, where you can see our faces in full Technicolor. Now, again, Please get in touch. It'd be um, super interesting for us to know what you thought of our top 10 and um, and what your favorite episode was of 2021. And we'll be back next week with some more camera shape. 
Facebook. Indeed. 